Welcome to the Protoss Podcast. Today's date is Friday the 25th of June and you're listening to a weekly roundup of the most important stories from the past week as reported by us. This week we saw a post from Kim Kardashian promoting Ethereum Max, the next best shitcoin since SafeMoon. A court case almost turned into a rap sesh with a judge headlining TI's lyrics. And on Thursday we reported the closure of Hong Kong's largest pro-democracy publisher not before thousands of their articles are stored on blockchain storage platform Arweave. But first, on Monday. They say that Bitcoin is a, quote, apocalyptic safe haven, that you should store your value in Bitcoin before the world collapses into a tech-filled Mad Max meets Johnny Mnemonic operatic hellscape. But what about unvaccinated sperm? Since the COVID-19 vaccine rollout began, there's been this notion floating around Twitter that unvaccinated sperm will outperform Bitcoin and gold. Anti-vax accounts have subsequently memefied the idea, latching on to Bitcoin's growing presence in the mainstream. The meme goes that COVID-19 vaccines will go so wrong that baby crazy women will be forced to pay top dollar for sperm from men who've opted out of what's been called the Great Reset. Accounts claim that quote unvaccinated sperm counts could rise faster than Bitcoin. And for some, it's a physical thing saying that quote men who refuse the vaccine are the hottest men on planet Earth. This unvaccinated sperm hype is increasingly muscling its way onto social media timelines that also propagate pro-Brexit shitposts and anti-vax memes, the whole rabbit hole. And all of this is happening while both Sweden and the US are suffering intense semen shortages. Donors have been avoiding hospitals due to the coronavirus pandemic, which in turn is delaying inseminations and, quote, driving up wait times by years, Reuters reported in April. So could unvaxed jizz really be the next crypto? Well, no. The idea that sperm carries COVID-19 antibodies or other foreign components like a trigger for autism or Bill Gates's listening devices is just plain wrong. A lot of the confusion is over something called vaccine shedding, a common theme in the anti-vax playbook. This refers to the process of releasing a virus into the human body so it can learn how to fight it. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention say, quote, vaccine shedding can only occur when a vaccine contains a weakened version of the virus. None of the vaccines authorized for use in the United States contain a live virus. In fact, the vaccines don't even enter the nucleus where DNA is stored, providing them no avenue to modify genes. And while there's no evidence to suggest that unvaccinated sperm should be valued any differently to vaccinated sperm, there is another way to make a few bucks from jizz. A few years back, Vice noted that a single vial of sperm Sperm sold for between $370 and $890 on what's known as the quote fertility market, depending on the quality of the DNA. According to Vice, sperm is not a low demand and high supply market. Those looking to make babies in vitro really do want the highest quality sperm available. That means college educated sperm that is free from disease and physical abnormalities. Prices across the board for sperm reportedly rose to $55 per vial between 2015 and 2016. All it takes is a grain of truth within any theory for it to spiral. Kim Kardashian pushed the totally useless crypto Ethereum Max onto a 200 plus million followers last week, just days before the entire market collapsed. The reality star and tech mogul had invited her Instagram fans to join the Emacs community on June 14th, according to Australian outlet BNT. 
After asking, are you guys into crypto? She shared her hot news. This is not financial advice, but sharing what my friends just told me about the Ethereum Max token. A few minutes ago, Ethereum Max burned 400 trillion tokens, literally 50% of their admin wallet giving back to the entire Emacs community. Kardashian tagged the post with hashtag WTF-Emacs and hashtag Disrupt History. The required disclosure hashtag ad trailed at the very end. Emacs is effectively a clone of crypto Ponzi game SafeMoon. Like SafeMoon, Emacs is a scheme promising to redistribute tokens spent amongst holders. In this case, 3% of all transactions. These pseudo-dividends, combined with endless token burns, are a ploy to imply scarcity with an ever-decreasing circulating supply. Emacs's site, plastered with its bogus Disrupt History slogan, says, quote, proven tokenomics and, quote, community strong backs the crypto. Such claims have grown synonymous with crypto-powered Ponzi games over the past year. These tokens effectively live and die by the hype created by publicity stunts. According to CoinGecko, Emacs had lost 90% of its value in the fortnight after its debut. Emacs became the crypto of choice for two nightclubs in Miami and could be used to buy tickets for the exhibition fight between famed boxer Floyd Mayweather Jr. and YouTuber Jake Paul. Mayweather also wore a t-shirt bearing Emacs's logo on stage at this year's Bitcoin conference in Miami in early June, although it didn't seem to inspire any positive price action. Decrypt also reported fallen NBA legend Paul Pierce had tweeted twice about Emacs. Pierce told his followers Emacs generated more profit than a whole year of his lost ESPN gig. For the record, Pierce's ESPN yearly salary was rumoured to be about $1.5 million. As for Kardashian's impact on Emacs, the token is 66% down since her advertisement, so anyone who took the bait is totally wrecked. A US court has dismissed yet another complaint against rapper T.I. for promoting Flick's unregistered ICO in 2017 by spitting back seven of the Grammy winners' own song titles. Gruntled investor Kenneth Fedent sued T.I., real name Clifford Harris Jr., and business partner Ryan Felton in 2019 for allegedly hiding the fact that Flick tokens were actually securities. Fedent said the duo talked up Flick tokens issued by their entertainment company of the same name and promised big returns. But the price of Flick crashed after T.I. and Felton dumped their stash, which left Fedent's $3,000 down. And now the 11th Circuit, which handles appeals, has upheld a lower court decision to dismiss the complaint on grounds that it was filed outside the one-year statute of limitations for unregistered securities claims. Fedent's legal team hinged its case on equitable tolling in a bid to dodge the one-year expiry period. Equitable tolling states that statutes don't apply if plaintiffs were only aware of the injury caused after the period had ended. Fedence claimed that he only knew Flick was a security following a 2019 court ruling. However, judges found that equitable tolling doesn't apply in this case, as Flick's security classification wasn't fraudulently concealed. In dismissing Fedence's lawsuit once and for all, the court managed to weave in seven TI references into its final report. Chief Judge William H. Pryor wrote, quote, Fedence asserted that he could not bring them out earlier and, quote, you cannot make fraudulent concealment mean whatever you like, squeezing in another popular TI track. And so it went with references to cuts like You Know What It Is, transforming the legal document into a high schooler's Spotify playlist. Despite the ruling, Fedence's lawyer Alexander Loftus said he believed the occasion was ultimately good for crypto investors. 
Loftus disagreed that FedEx knew that Flick was a security within the statute, but, quote, at least this leaves the door open for other tardy registration claims which were prevalent to cryptocurrencies, he said via Law 360. Indeed, despite the obvious pump and dump, the court ruled that it was obvious that Flick buyers always knew they were acquiring a security, so no misrepresentation of their investment had occurred at the hands of TI or Felton. Protesters have started to use censorship-resistant blockchains to store thousands of articles from Apple Daily, Hong Kong's largest pro-democracy newspaper, after government raids forced it to close after 26 years. As reported in The Standard, Apple Daily went to press for the final time on Thursday, bowing out with a triumph from one million copy run, a world away from its usual 150,000 circulation. Apple Daily also took down its website and pulled the plug on its social media channels. Free press activists worry the paper's censorship could mark the end of free expression in the region. However, around 4,000 articles are now reportedly preserved on decentralised file storage platform Arweave, which runs on blockchain technology. As detailed by The Standard, Arweave echoes BitTorrent by breaking files into smaller pieces before distributing them over a peer-to-peer -peer network. Participants contribute disk space and validate the state of data shared by the network, which in turn ensures that information, such as the Apple Daily articles, can't be edited, misrepresented or deleted. The platform is considered a competitor to the more established interplanetary file system protocol. Apple Daily has a long history as a beacon for both free speech and unrestricted press in Hong Kong. Founded by media-slash-clothing mogul Jimmy Lai in 1995, the paper actually began its days as a sensationalist tabloid. It gradually shifted to no-holds-barred coverage of city officials, earning an audience for its frequent criticism of China's Communist Party and its Hong Kong allies. The controversial national security laws enacted in June 2020 have allowed Chinese authorities to put Apple Daily out of business. As a result, many fear that Hong Kong is beginning to creep towards a legal system akin to mainland China. According to authorities, dozens of Apple Daily articles violated these new laws. China's actions haven't gone unnoticed, however, and have attracted widespread rebuke, not just from within Hong Kong, but from around the world. UK Foreign Secretary Dominic Raab labelled the situation a, quote, chilling blow to freedom of expression in Hong Kong. All this despite China's promises to protect certain freedoms in Hong Kong when the nation gained its independence from Britain in 1997. And that's your lot. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode. But we realise there's only so much we can cover in just under 10 minutes. So if you want more of the stories that matter, check out Protoss.com. And don't forget to subscribe to the Protoss podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts or any other major podcast provider for more weekly roundups. We'll be back next week. See you then. <laughs>